This is working to Meet. Tuesday, August 4, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us as we begin a new week. A lot has changed since we last talked to you last week. Uh, Phillies have played one game. Uh, but the positive tests they had apparently have come back uh, as false positives. So they will play a doubleheader here on Wednesday as they move forward trying to resume their season. Uh, the Flyers look impressive in their bubble opener in Toronto against the Boston Bruins. And the Sixers, well, they're a mess. <laughs> they're a mess. Even though they won last night, they are a solid gold mess right now. Giving up 43 in the fourth quarter to a Spurs team that shouldn't be on the same court as them and giving up 46 in the fourth quarter and their loss to Indiana last week. So to talk about all this, plus, oh, yeah, the head coach of the Eagles ends up having coronavirus. Uh, and Doug Peterson now on the sidelines as you were, or as it were. Um, so talk about all these issues and other topics as we – Turn the world of sports back up. Crank it to 10. It's uh, Glenn Mack now. One of our favorites from uh, 94 WIP. The show he does Saturday and Sundays with uh, Ray Didinger. And, of course, one of the voices, the host I know for years of the Eagles pregame show. So we'll talk a little football, a little bit of everything. His, we'll also talk about, you know, as you know, Glenn has a controlling interest in or has a interest in Conshohock and Brew Pub. What it's been like to be a business owner at this time through the coronavirus. And, uh, you know, it's obviously been traumatic, as we've all gone through. So Glenn Macnow will join us in a few minutes. We hope you are safe wherever you are listening to us, as obviously the biggest story around Philadelphia today was the uh, pounding uh, from the tropical storm that came ashore. Um, And obviously a lot of you are probably without power, so we hope you... Everything finds you safe and well as uh, the evening goes on and as we go into uh, the rest of this week. It is amazing what 2020 has been able to bring upon this year. Um, And then later on, Mike and I will talk some of the other topics going on here. Um, Obviously, you know, I think the Sixers issue is the biggest one because I think the Sixers issue we all saw, if we were truthful to ourselves, we saw this coming. We saw that this team was um, uh, a little bit, you know, we all hoped that maybe that time off would turn it around, and it hasn't. And there's serious makeup issues involved with this team as it moves forward. So uh, that is the predominant issue right now. The Flyers are going to be around for a while, it looks like. I mean, at least for another couple weeks. Um, The Phillies, you know, it almost feels like the Phillies have been, you know, dealt a bad hand here. Uh, but the Sixers are the most urgent priority, uh, at least until they check out and then the Eagles, if the Eagles get started. So we'll talk a lot about that with our glass, uh, with our guest, Glenn Macnow. Mike will join us, and so will Glenn right after these messages. Stay with us. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way? This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Working to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. 
Now your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Bee podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And joining us now, one of our favorites. Uh, he is the... He hosts probably the best sports talk in Philadelphia, the show on Saturday and Sunday with uh, Ray Didinger uh, from 10 to 1. Uh, also a uh, a businessman with the Conchock and Brew Pub and the pregame show host for the Eagles radio network uh, for a long time. I think it's 11 years, right, Glenn? Uh, I think it's 13. 13. Sorry. Time flies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's Glenn Mack now. Glenn, how are you? Uh, doing great, guys. Nice to see you, fellas. Yes, and Thank, thanks for joining us. Uh, what, what, all right, what kind of brew is that? We should point out. <laughs> wow, well, well, thank you for asking. Yes, <laughs> this happens to be a uh, Mr. Robusto uh, from Conchahawken Brewing Company. It's a fine, robust porter that I am enjoying. I don't usually drink porters in the summer, but it's a rainy, dank night out there, and a and a porter works well. Wait, it's summer. Do you have a Do you have a beer named after Ray Diddy? Um, no, although, you know what? We, we do that a lot, and that's, that'd be a fine idea. That's a good idea. Yes, it would. <laughs> Kern's going to want royalties from that. Anyway. No, 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 no. no. Since no, we on. know Ray has, in his life, consumed, and this is true, 1.5 beers. I can believe that. Yeah. I, you know, I can believe that. And honestly, I'm not that far off from him. Even as an Irish guy, I'm not a... I'm not normally a uh, an alcohol enthusiast, although the baseball beat can make you want to after a while. <laughs> yeah, but that's the hard liquor, Kevin. That's that, not the that's beer. That's true. That's hard. You, you go, you go right for the hard stuff. All right, yeah. so uh, let me ask you about the business. I mean, obviously, these are tough times, and and I know you've talked, you've got uh, a, a sponsor on your on your show that helped you guys out with a PPP loan. Yeah. Uh, what has it been like being a business owner at this point with everything going on with the pandemic? Well, it, it is tough for everybody. I, I don't know any business that, well, I guess some businesses are doing well. The, the guys who come to my house with packages every day, they're doing well. Mm-hmm. Amazon's doing fine. But uh, for businesses that people go to and frequent, it is tough times. People aren't uh, comfortable going out. Um, so we have five brew pubs and a brewery at Conchock and Brewing Company. We're getting through it. We're, we're going to come out the other end, but I'm not going to tell you it hasn't affected us. Uh, Our outdoor dining is actually doing very well now, but, you know, we limit how many people can come in. We're not going to allow full terrace of of people crowded together. Um, The thing that helps us over certain other breweries, some of the small breweries only sell their beer on site, so you can only get it there. We are, as you can see, we're out in cans, and so we are in supermarkets, beer stores, restaurants, and so on. So that that helps us, and we'll get through it. But listen, it's it's tough times for everybody. Mike and Glenn, you must obviously know people that are in your business in the city, where the rules are even more stringent, and some of these people aren't going to make it. I I mean, your heart must go out to a lot. Of, I mean, I know I feel so bad. I know a lot of people that own businesses. Some are doing better than others, but it's really the next even four, five, six months might even get worse. Yeah, I mean, I see it every day. You know, I go online and, and look, and I see, like, oh, geez, this restaurant that I've been going to 
since I moved to Philadelphia in the eighties is, is going out of business. Yeah. Um, I saw an estimate nationally 20 to 25% of breweries, small breweries are, have already gone out of business. Wow. Um, it's, it's a killer. And it's, and it's, as you say, it's generally small business people who have their one restaurant, their one place. And I, and I feel for them all. Sure. And we should point out, Glenn also on uh, Comcast knows the show What's Brewing with Joe Sixpack, our buddy. And so, yeah, we uh, limited to Facebook Live, hoping to get back on TV sometime soon. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's get to the sports end. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I mentioned in the intro, Mike wasn't on the intro with me. You know, the Flyers are the team you kind of look at now and go, well, you're going to have them for a few weeks at least, you know? <laughs> The Phillies, it's so tough to judge them because of the layoff. But to me, watching the first two games of the Sixers is the most fascinating thing because everything we knew back before the pandemic has been reaffirmed in these first two games after the pandemic. What have you seen? Yeah, and it's everything we were told wasn't going to happen, right? This was, I mean, Brett Brown was waxing about the chemistry on this team and how they, these guys just, you know, they had found a way to play with each other and it was going to be great. And Ben Simmons is going to move to the four and it's all going to be different. And it's, it's exactly every problem they had before this. Um, the way the defense, and listen, these guys are talented defensive players, but they have shut down, uh, they're, they've shut down, they've shut down their defense, not the other team in the last couple of games, which is terrible. Ben Simmons, I never want to see a, a, another video of him shooting a three in practice. I <laughs> bought into that nonsense too many times. He comes back. He's the same player. And in some ways he's a great player. I think he's had two really poor defensive games, which mm-hmm. is a little bit concerning. Um, Brett Brown can't harness these guys. Um, I thought that the, the, the kid point guard play a lot better. Uh, Shake played, oh, Yeah. Really much better in the second game, but boy, that first game was scary bad. I just I have the feeling at max this is a team that wins one playoff round and there's a as equal chance that they're one and done. And and the one other point I should point out, we talked about the defensive thing. I saw the stat on SportsCenter this morning. They are the first team since I think the nineteen ninety two Orlando Magic to give up forty plus points in the fourth quarter in back to back games. Wow. Which given this league is just remarkable. Uh, I mean, and and they were built, and Mike, I'm sure, will talk about this on his quest. They were built on defense, Mike, and and what the hell happened? Well, I want to know what happened to Bully Ball. What do you think of Bully Ball, Glenn? Because we were sold. That was another bill of goods we were sold. Yeah, it's a great concept. This team was put together. So either the GM and the coach aren't on the same page or something. something's wrong. Yeah, it's a great concept, and I like, you know, big and tough, and, you know, let's go back to the uh, the Detroit Pistons of the bad boys or whatever whatever they were going to be. But it's amazing how soft that defense was, and so much of that to me is on the on the coach. Uh, the TJ hits for, what, 53 yeah. in that first game? And um, it seemed to me that Brett Brown never adjusted even a little bit. Um, you know, it's on Simmons for playing soft. It's on anybody for playing soft not blocking the passing lanes, uh, not being able to inbound the ball. But to me, it's it's this axe is going to fall on the head coach, right? Yeah. And may, maybe you knock them to the ground once. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm not advocating that kind of thing. But well, if I the guy's am. fortunate you for 53, maybe you can no. send him to the foul line once. 
Uh, that's bully. That would be the concept of bully ball, right? Make yeah. him pay for every point he tries to score. And they're awful at switches. I mean, if you if you even if you go back to last year on, on the Leonard play that that ended their season, they were awful at a switch. They were awful yeah. coming off with Simmons yeah, giving it there. to Embiid, and then on on the play with TJ the other night, Simmons is ten feet off him. It's yeah. just amazing how awful they are. For a team that's not exactly like changed systems four or five times. It's like, how are you this bad doing the most basic fundamental thing on defensive basketball? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's terrible. Um, there's not enough hustle there. there I mean, defense is, is effort, right? Right. That's, that's, I think that's the easiest concept to grasp. Defense is effort. If you're giving up 40-plus points in, in two fourth quarters, back-to-back, you said, what, first time since 92? Is that what you said? I bl- I'm going off the top of my head. That stat was All like right. 92, well, I think. Let's assume it's close. Right. It's about effort. Right. Which means- and, Glenn, isn't it about mindset, too, though? I mean, you got to have the effort. I get that. But when you go into a game, you know how defensive teams are. They go into a game thinking you ain't scoring. Like, we're going to stop you. We're going to make you work for every – whether it's hockey, football, basketball, you name it. And they just, at least, they didn't seem like they had it. And that's the more disturbing thing to me. What have we got? Six more games? Six yeah. more. Yeah. And, and I was looking at the schedule the other day, and I think five of those six games are against teams with losing records. Yes. Although they needed the last second shot yesterday to get it. They got six games to get this thing right. And if they don't, as I said, they could be out in the first round. Is the head games. coach the only casualty, you think, or do they try to move on from one of their big two? No, I don't think they split the big two. It's You try to coach. I mean, sorry, Brett, but the coach is the first to go. Uh, I would argue that Elton Brand is not definite to come back next season. Um, but I think – and I would advocate you try at least one more year out of those two big guys. It's, it's two really talented players – Especially you if hope, you have a new coach. Right. You hope you find guy. a coach that can right. inspire them to play better together. Well, and what's scary is that because of the way they've gone about things, you know, with getting Horford this year and you know, the Tobias Harris uh, signing and all that, they've almost squandered this opportunity that they tried to create for themselves with the entire process. I mean, yeah. whether you yeah. believe in the process or not, it was meant to – Develop a, a way of getting competitive and staying competitive. They're, they're, and to avoid that middle of the road, four through eight seed or got a team right. that just barely makes the playoffs, they're kind of in that, they're in that rut right now. I mean, you know, yeah. and that, and they're going to have nothing to show for it. They're in that rut right now, and they don't, and, and all of those assets, right? The same thing, you've got to accumulate assets. Well, they've spent all those assets. I don't know where they're going to get more. I mean, they're going to draft whatever, 20th, somewhere like that. Yeah. You're lucky to strike gold there, and I don't think they're going to have a ton of money for free agents. You mentioned the Tobias Harris contract and the Horford deal. I think what you see in, ter- in, in lineup is what you get next year. Glenn, do you think moving uh, Ben to the four, I wasn't for the move. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I think maybe Ben might not like the move. Maybe that's why he looked a little disinterested. But were you? Did you like that move, or to do something? Or did... I was willing to try it. It seemed an odd move to pull in season. Although I guess when you're off twenty weeks in a row, it's like a new season. Um, 
but I didn't think they were going to go far as they were. I hated Horford in the starting lineup for one. So, and I liked the way Shake Milton played going into the shutdown. So I figured, okay, well, let's see how it looks. But Mike, I think the point you make that I agree with is that Simmons has always said, I'm a point guard, I'm a point guard, yes. I'm a point guard. Yes. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a power forward. And I don't, I don't know him to know if he's buying into it, but the play you the, the defensive play you saw from him the first two games back, a guy who's usually an excellent defensive player would suggest your point makes some sense. Let's flip this to the Phillies right now. Um, four games in after basically 13 days of a schedule or 12 days of a schedule. Yeah. Um, is this year already flushed in a strange way? Because, even if they play to a conclusion, and I, I don't know if I think they're going to play to a conclusion. Um, the schedule is so aligned against them right now with just having to make up games, having to ha- having to basically not have a day off the rest of the season, um, and given the way their bullpen is anyway. Um, it, it just seems like it's already lost four games in, which is brutal to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite ready to give that up after four games because I missed baseball in the Phillies so much. I, it's, I, I hope you're wrong, but the point that seems the most central is, is their bullpen is just God awful. Mm-hmm. And we knew that going in, you know, uh, you can, you, we can blame the GM and I think Klantek deserves a lot of blame because the bullpen he assembled is just going to be terrible. And when he went young, especially. When he went with the Pardon young, guy, when he went with the young guys as opposed to the Lirianos of the world, yeah, yeah, right. And that to me points some of the finger at Middleton because it's clear ownership decided it wasn't going to bust through the um the not the salary cap the luxury, luxury tax, tax threshold. And to me, once you sign Bryce Harper to that huge deal, once you you know and you bring in the lineup that you've got. You owe it to your team. You owe it to your fan base to say, "Okay, we're 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 shoving all all the chips into the middle of the table," and that means you get a bullpen that you pay for a bullpen, and they went cheap on that. And and I think Kevin, because this year they're going to be playing whatever fifty two games in fifty days, whatever that number right. is, you're going to have to rely on your bullpen more than ever. You got a bunch of five inning starters other than Nola. And the bullpen is going to kill them. It's we're going to any game that's two to two after the fifth inning, just turn it off because the next three innings going to be off. And I have a theory on the bullpen. I have a th- my theory is that they got so burned by the Robertson thing last year that Clintac was hell bent that I'm not going to burn. You know, if my bullpen's going to go down in flames, it's going to go down with flames with guys making about four hundred thousand dollars as opposed yeah. to ten million. And yeah, they, and it's not the first time. And you they had it. Uh, right. uh, what's his name? Pat uh, uh, Nishak. Nishak, right? right. Right. I mean, they, God, they wasted so much money on that bum. Um, and so, yes, spending overspending for relief pitching can kill you. But the alternative is that you have to be able to develop good young relievers, and they haven't. I mean, Sir Anthony, that's you know, that's unfortunate. But why you wait a year? Why you wait a year before Tommy John surgery? <laughs> what was the rush? Yeah. Um, they still think Adam Morgan's going to be some. I've never seen Adam Morgan as anything more than a sixth inning guy, sixth inning guy. Um, but you, 
if you don't want to spend a lot of money on relievers, you better find them in your own system, and they don't have them. And that's the problem. Yeah, but look, look at the good part. They're only they might play a lot of seven inning games. Yes, you know what? When they I might only need the out, bullpen for an inning. Yeah, at first I thought, gosh, what a bunch of nonsense, and then I thought, well, maybe the Phillies <laughs> will benefit. It's, it's one of the things, and I hate. I'm not going to make judgments after four games. That's that's stupid. I can't do that. But some of the guys who we have maybe had some concerns about so far haven't looked whatever. McCutcheon, now you fear maybe he's a little old, maybe the injuries. The first baseman has looked not whatever. Um, Too eager Kinger, to take walks. Yeah, well, he can't yeah. hit. I mean, he just, yeah. he, you know, they, they had numbers going him back. But it's four games. So we could be sitting here a week or two from now having a totally different conversation. But I think the more I look at this team, and it's hard to judge anything this year, I just don't think maybe they're not that very good. I'm not going to worry about McCutcheon yet. I, I, you know, he was such yeah. a good player last year. I'm, I'm uh, a veteran like that. I'm going to give time. Mm-hmm. Reese Hoskins has not hit well since last May, June, June yeah, whatever yeah. it was, and looked totally lost last year. Um, didn't you know? From what I recall, down in spring training, he was changing his batting stance every three days, and uh, you hoped a new hitting coach was going to get him back. But I worry that he's this guy who, when he came up, and they didn't know how to pitch him, was so good that first whatever fifty games, mm-hmm. and then since then his his he's just been like that. Um, that's the one. I don't know. I'm not worried about Kingry. I'm not. I, I'm, Segura looks better this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Didi Gregorius. I don't know who else. Who else are you worried about? Well, I, I, I don't center, know. The center field situation's a mess between Hazley and Quinn. I don't think you, you have two guys, and I'm not sure you have any guys at this yeah. point because Quinn's always going to get hurt. But didn't we pretty much know that going in, Kevin? I mean, we. Well, I think a lot of us were kind of on that page anyway. Yeah, and if that's listen, if it's just one, you know, if they if they're strong at seven positions in center field. Yeah. Quinn can Quinn can play defense. Uh, he certainly can run. Uh, I get nuts seeing him swing from his feet when there's two strikes against him. He's a guy who should just be chopping it. Um, but if the other guys all hold up their end, I can live with center field. It's it's really it's the pitching depth, the starting depth, and the entire bullpen that's going to destroy them this year. So you would like to see Spencer Howard up here this week? Yeah, you will. I think. Yeah, Sunday. And, and it, Sunday, and I think, yeah, and and as you said, with what fifty-two games in fifty days, yeah. you need you're gonna need more than five starters this year. Unfortunately, so, and, unfortunately, it means yeah. you're gonna have Velasquez some more. I'm well aware of that. Okay, I'm just <laughs> I'm warning you. No, clearing, Kevin, he'll, but he'll I'm have a good outing four, the next time. I'm clearing four hours for the first three innings. Oh He'll God. have a good outing next game, and then we'll, we'll see all those stories about how he's turned a corner. I think one of the things when we break this apart, and look, Matt Klintak, we've said, is not going anywhere this year because you're not going to fire yeah. GM after 16 no, not games. now, right. But I think when you look at, whenever you do the autopsy on the Klintak era, it's this idea of being too stubborn for some, and then I'll take the Hoskins thing. Hoskins has not been the same since they moved them to left field. Ne- has not really been the same player since they moved him left field. From first base to left field and then put him on the yo-yo, and he got screwed up there. And I think whether that speaks to the player or the or yeah, the way that's the, on him. That, but that also speaks to the organization not having an idea what the hell they want. You know, I've seen a lot of young sluggers move between first base, left field, right? 
Yeah. You can go on. You, I bet you you can go on uh, Baseball Reference, look up the top 20 home run hitting first baseman, and they either started or played time in left field. It's it's a common thing. It, it, he was an atrocious left fielder, but that's yeah. beside the point. Um, if that's the case, I do. I don't. I'll put a lot of things on Clintac, but I'll put that on the player. Will they re-sign Real Muto? Less confident now than I was a month ago. Um, I, I would say I lean yes, but not more than fifty-five percent. Okay, Mike. Kevin, you're assuming the Clintac era is going to end in failure. Uh, I think. I think we kind of know at this point okay because no, the farm I'm, system's so bad i'm, I'm not I'm, arguing with you I'm just, I'm but just i mean <laughs> the farm system's so bad here's a better question name me a trade he's won um well, Muto, Muto won if they if they keep if they keep Muto, they had, actually because sexto sanchez may turn out to be really good um I don't know. I was not prepared for that question. Well, no. I mean, like the JP, <laughs> the, the JP Crawford trade, right now is looking better for Seattle than it was for yeah. the Phillies. Yeah, yeah. Um, certainly, yeah. I mean, the Velasquez trade with you know getting Ken Giles or, or giving yeah. Ken Giles away. The, the the resume is pretty thin on trades he's won. He traded for Bryce Harper and Didi. He didn't trade oh, no. for him. He signed. Him. Signed him. <laughs> it's easy. Signed it's him. easy to sign a guy. Yeah. It's easy to throw money at problems. Oh yeah, Wheeler too. And, and yeah. let's be and let's and let's be bluntly honest. That's John. That's not that's not Matt. That's oh yeah, the, the Bryce Harper thing was entirely Middleton. Uh, before we get into the to the Flyers, I want to get into the six or to the Eagles rather. Um, you know, Doug Peterson uh, diagnosed with COVID this week. They're trying this training camp. How confident are you mm-hmm. that there will be an NFL season as we know it? I uh, I'm less confident about football than any of the sports, even baseball. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the nature of the game to me, um, you know, on any given play, a, a, a player in the NFL can have his hands on six or seven other players. It's, it's the kind of thing where if, if there are two or three guys on a team that get it, it can spread quicker than any other sport. You know, baseball, other than the catcher and the first baseman, you're usually not right there with somebody. Football, you're, it's going to happen all the time. Um, so I'm really scared about that. They're going to, obviously, they're going to try. My hunch is we get some sort of a season and we get a Super Bowl, but I don't know that I would, I hope, I don't know we're going to get a 16-game season. Maybe 12. Maybe, maybe eight. I mean, you know, I, I look at I look at like the trips the Eagles have to take to the West Coast. I think yeah. they're they're going to San Francisco. I know, and I'm pretty sure they go to L.A. I think they play the Rams. Oh no, the Rams come here. But the point is, like you know, we've talked so much with baseball about travel and hotels and and yeah. air, airplanes. I, that's the first thing I think if I'm the NFL, I'm looking at it and going, okay, we're just going to rip this up and do kind of what baseball is trying to do with territorial. And you play all your teams in the East and maybe your teams from the other, the other Eastern. I'll tell you my biggest concern with the NFL. And I, and again, I think we're going to have some semblance of a season, but I worry at how bad the play is going to be. Mm-hmm. Baseball is still a guy's pitching the ball. A guy's hitting the ball. I'm going to sound like the guy, the coach in Bull Durham. You pitch the ball, you hit the ball, you, you, know, you, you catch the, the ball. ball. Yeah. Right. And, and, and baseball is, 
you know, more or less an individual sport. Football is entirely about teamwork and timing and system, um, and you're going to have none of that. I mean, I don't, how are you going to have a defensive backs meeting where they're all in the same room together, right? How are you going to do that? You have no padded practices. Um, no preseasons. You have no preseason games. They're just going to, like, show up and play. And I, I think we're going to all just have to say, okay, we're going to accept really bad football because it beats no football. Hey, Clinton, I was listening to you and Ray on Saturday, and the, the part that struck me was the injuries that could occur. Yeah. We're all thinking about people t- testing positive, and I'm sure people are going to test positive, and hopefully nothing like baseball is experiencing, but – I can just see guys going down left and right, at least for the first month of the season, simply because they're not going to be ready to play football. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, at at the minimum, it's going to be pulled muscles and twisted ankles. Uh, At the maximum, I think there is the possibility that you're going to get a likelihood of of more serious injuries, of real knee injuries, of real injuries. Um, You know, and – if they say, well, we're going to cover that by having more players on a roster, that, that's all fine and well, but that doesn't help the guy who gets hurt. No. no. That's, that's, that's not really good. And I, and I don't need to see the fifth-string linebacker. Yeah. It's, it's just – I mean, I know they're trying – you know, they want to play football so bad. Everybody wants football to beat her so bad. I get all that. But, man, this just seems to me, at the very least, if they at least pushed it back a little bit, maybe to the end of September, to give them maybe two more weeks – to kind of get their act together, but they're not going to do that. So I, no, it wouldn't surprise me if they do. Nothing oh, really? would surprise me. Hey, no, nothing. Listen, look at how baseball is making yeah. up the schedule. Look at college football. Fly. How look how college football is trying to right. improvise and push everything back. I mean, but the, the NFL, NFL is different, though. Yeah, you know, the NFL kind of says we're the NFL. We're going to do it this um, way, and come hell or high water, they're going to. I don't know about that. I okay. I would really not be surprised if they say. And again, I, this is this is not any kind of sourced information. This is just my my sense. It would not surprise me if they say like, "Okay, you know what? September games are off. We're going to start with the October games, or, okay. or you know, okay. we're going to switch, and you're only going to play teams in your conference." Or I heard somebody propose the other day, and and it's wacky, and I don't I don't know that it's the answer, but you have team you cancel every other game. And you have teams play every other week, um, which gives them more time to practice and limits the possibility of injury and allows for more testing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just totally contrived, but it's not ridiculous to me. And I wonder if you could even stagger it and you still get something out of the TV contract or maybe yeah. have AFC go one week, NFC another, and you keep yeah. it all conference. Well, I, I well you can't do that, Kevin, games. because be, there's an odd number of teams in each conference. Right? No, there's 16. Uh, That's right. I'm thinking yeah, of okay. no, you're thinking baseball. So NFL you could go, but then you'd uh, have to play all conference games. You couldn't play anything but, but conference, right? Which is maybe maybe the solution. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of things they can do. And the listen, I'm accepting baseball for what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I watched a game this afternoon, and it was baseball. Uh, I watched the Flyers the other night. It was really good, actually. Yeah. Um, but it's different. And you know it's different. And I think, I hope that this year people are just willing to say, I, I, I love sports. I miss sports. I'll take it. Whatever they can give me, I'll take it. Baseball's crazy. Start yep. the runner on second base is not Seven in games is Little League. 
but this year I'll take it. It's the training. Right. It's the training wheels edition on some of these role yeah. changes. I mean, between the which, DH and right, which beats nothing. Now, let me get to the Flyers. One, I love the bubble in Toronto, and I love all day hockey. You and, know, the, the the game on T the the arena looked great. It does with the video boards and everything, and yeah, and the way they covered it, the tarp over this, it, it actually it reminded me of the. Um, of the, the New Year's Day games yeah. that they play. I mm-hmm. honestly would be okay if they went with this format going forward. Of Which f- format? Five versus 12, six versus 11. You got to play your way into the Uh-oh. tournament. I would be okay with it. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but uh, sure. Yeah, I mean. I'm it, okay. It throws a little, it throws weight into the teams up top. It allows you to, now I'm not sure I go for the, round robin but hey you know well the problem the reason you got to do the round robin is because if you don't teams get rusty yeah right even in a normal circumstance uh if you if you sit out in hockey for a bye and the other even if they're playing five game series in the first round you figure that's 12 to 14 days you don't play a hockey game for two weeks it's a big disadvantage but i mean it's unfair to the bruins who were 10 points clear of everybody for the top seed and they're probably not gonna oh, go ahead I, you're not gonna cry yeah it's a damn shit gosh a damn shame the Bruins. Uh, <laughs> um when you saw that flyer team on sunday yeah uh did they have a look they they have the same look they had back in march when this all shut down they did um now again this is one game they right. play tomorrow they play i think tomorrow afternoon right it's like uh, no they're stuff. thursday they're thursday afternoon the Sixers oh, tomorrow afternoon. That's right. Excuse me. I, I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but during the pandemic. I've lost track of days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking tomorrow's Thursday. I've lost track of months. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think um, it's like a 4 o'clock game or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, uh, the answer to your question is yes. They looked like they had just picked up, not in the very beginning, uh, but once they got that first goal back, and they got their momentum. Boy, they were good. Um, Carter Hart was really good. They they played tight defense. Um, and, you know, I, I love the coach, which doesn't really answer your question. But based on that one game, they looked to me like a team that's got a shot to win the cup. And the only the only down thing you could say is that Boston played uh, a lot as opposed to Tuka Rask. Yeah. Who can, who can, and, and Tuka would be the yeah, number one goalie. But, but again, they only, they yeah, the Flyers dominated goal. the game. Yeah. Yeah. And if Boston scores one goal, I don't care who their goalie is. Yeah. Mike? To me, and I'm not necessarily the hockey guy, but the thing that was impressing me the most before and the other night was they're not a one-line team or a two-line team. And I think if you're going to make a long run, that's not a bad thing that they can get something out of a lot of different people. Yeah. They got a good depth. Uh, they got good depth of forward. And I tell you, they got they got three solid defensive pairings right now, um, which, as you go through the long grind of a playoff, is really important to have. You, you, if your team, any team that ever wins the cup, you watch those fifth and sixth defensemen mm-hmm. end up getting a lot of minutes and have to be able to hold their own. And right now, I think the Flyers look to me a team like a team that's got that. Flyers really since Ron Hextall's rookie year. Have been looking for that goaltender that could carry them, and they've yeah. had a couple. They've had a couple who have played well. Brian Boucher played well his, his first year when they took the Devils yeah, the right in the playoffs, right? right. Um, 
as hard as close as hard as I don't want to say the real deal, but Hart looks like he's as close to the real deal since Hextall. I think he does um, for a lot of reasons. And he's untested. This is his first time he's going to really get that test. He's a young goalie. If he doesn't pass the test, I hope people don't write him off because a lot of young goalies have to grow into the position, and we're assuming he's already there. Uh, he's a kid. Now, he's got a lot of good experience. He's played for national teams, Juniors. played in championship games. Right. He's he's For someone his age, he's played in a lot of big games at other levels. What I really like about him that, that shows me he's got a chance is he doesn't panic, he doesn't get flustered. Um, you know, if there's a scramble for the puck in front of him, he's not that crazy guy who's going to go diving all over the place. He moves with purpose, and um, – I really like him as a cool-headed goalie. I'm not going to compare him to Bernie other than to say the reason Bernie was so great was there was no wasted motion with Bernie. There was no – listen, Dominic Hoshik is one of a kind. He was the guy who could do that. Right. Um, you know, throw, throw his glove and hit the puck with it and stop it. But I like a goalie who shows you out there that he knows his positioning. He'll go side to side when the puck's in front of him well. And I see that out of Carter Hart every game. And Brodeur was that type of goalie you're talking about. He was a system yeah, goalie. Right. He was not a right. he was not a flopper. He was not a anything. Right. Uh, and it's funny because this was an organization. I'll get to you in a second, Mike. I'm sorry. Uh, That's right. This was an organization that had such a good run on goalies in its early years. You had yeah, Bernie. Then even Pete Peters was really good for a bit. Yeah, for, yeah when he was here. Yeah. When he was here. Then you had Pelly, and then yeah. you had Eckstall. Yeah. And the Flyers were really blessed. And it's amazing how really since they traded Hextall in the Lindros deal, they have been scrambling to try to find that guy. And now you almost think that this is the guy that is as close yeah. to the being. And they, and they had all these guys along the way that were supposed to be the guy. Van Beesbrook was a guy who came in with great credentials. He was going to be that guy. Check Monik. Man, Check Monik was a really talented player. He was just a kook. Speaking of coops, <laughs> Brizgalov was the all-timer with that. And, and they got rid of Bobrovsky to keep him. <laughs> right, and they traded Bobrovsky, who was, who turned out just, you know, to win Vezina trophies. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of guys along the way that were supposed to be that savior, and they were all false. Um, man, if Carter Hart is, and I really do believe so, you could be set up for goalie for a decade. Like, yeah. like, Glenn, I know I know. ultimately the players have to play, and that's what it's about, but how much is this coach going to mean? And, and also, I think we should note that the GM did a great job, especially at the trade deadline, bringing in a couple pieces that have really helped. But how much is having Vigneault going to help this fairly young team maybe make a run? Before I answer that, when you mention the GM, I'm also going to give some credit to the previous GM because I think Hextall – although he had to go um, mm -hmm. and was not ready to move this team to where it needed to be now, and I know there were a lot of personality issues and stuff, Hextall did a lot in building this team and, and, mm -hmm. and should get a lot of credit uh, when this team goes far. Um, Vigneault is a guy who's been there before. He's been to Cup Finals. I won a Cup, but he's been to Cup Finals. He's been to the Stanley. He's been in the playoffs as a coach, I think, nine separate seasons, something like that, a lot of seasons. Um, nothing's going to surprise him. Nothing's going to fluster him. When you have young players like they do, you want to have the guy behind the bench who's going to be that cool head. 
uh, and he's and he will he's that. I also think he's a really good um, strategic coach and will know, you know, what line to match up with what, who he wants in to win a face-up with two minutes to go. I trust him strategically, and I trust his leadership. And Hextall, by the way, getting back to him, he could be the Flyers version of Ed Weed, who set the table for <laughs> – no, seriously. No, uh, you're who, right. Who yeah, set the right. table and didn't collect it. I mean, obviously, you give – Gillick a little more credit, I think, than you would give Chuck Fletcher for for the final pieces. But I mean, it was Ron, yeah, it was time for Ron to go. It was time for Ed to go at that point. But the fact that Hextall's lasting legacy was he didn't rush hard hard up here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, uh, and, okay. and by the way, just before we uh, get all gaga over Ed Wade, because there's been a lot. Of oh, that. oh, here we go. Go ahead. It was a lot of that, and, and our station did a whole thing last week on underappreciated GMs and stuff. Let us just remember that, and I know to a degree his hand was forced, but he traded Kurt Schilling and he traded Scott Rowland. And got nothing. And I believe pretty much this is what he got. Got Polanco. That was about it. Yeah, Polanco was better the second time around than the first, but whatever. This is what he got. Okay, he got Bud Smith. <laughs> I, I, I look. I, I'll, and the other two guys, the other two guys won World Series. It right? was, yeah. Well, I know, I know, showing yeah. did. did, did yeah, Roland, Roland won a World Series. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Well, Scott Scott Rowland had forced his hand though, because Scott Rowland didn't want to play for Larry Bowen anymore. That was I pretty clear. That. <laughs> Scott Rowland wanted to leave town. I was would hope that you could get something better than Bud Smith, and uh, that wasn't the Omar Dahl trade. Whatever else he got. In oh, <laughs> Omar Dahl was in one of those trades. That was in the Schilling trade and Travis Lee and all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 that trade was the one. But look, you know, I'll say one thing about Ed. Ed did not trade the two people who everybody wanted him to trade, which were Utley and Howard. So, hey, let's build a statue. <laughs> that, that's only for that's only for Sam Hinkie. Could put in Mar- anyway. could put Marconi Plaza. <laughs> oh, don't don't go there. Uh, let, before I let you go, and this is this is a wild card question. You are as you're as thorough a reader as I know. Okay, you read everything, and yeah. you you listen to everything. And something that's disturbed me recently has been the state of sports journalism. Uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of rah rahism. You guys don't do that on your show. And I I, I guess being that you were an old school newspaper guy and everything kind of where you think the state of the business is right now going forward or as we. You have more print journalism or are you telling the whole thing? Both. Um, Well, listen, I have, uh, we're all print journalism, we're all print journalism refugees, aren't we? Yes. Um, And and Kevin, I know you're still writing. Yeah. but we all got into that business and loved it and were in it at a time when Mike could say, Hey, I'm going to go cover this golf tournament. Yeah. Miles yeah. away. No, and- hey, Glenn, they would come to me in January and right. say, Mike, give us the golf schedule for the year. Right. That's the way um, it worked. Yes. And there was the resources and the support and the physical space within the newspaper mm-hmm. Uh, and, and your, your copy was valued and we all were in it in a great age to be in journalism. Um, and I left print journalism at a time when I really saw that being threatened. Um, and, and I, I, I was in an acquire sports department when it, it boasted 
Jason Stark and Angelo Cataldi and Al Morganti and Jerry Longman. And, and, and I know I'm just getting started. Mike, Mike Massanelli. Mike. Yeah. Mike, Mike was, was a really good journalist. And I mean, so many people who were so Bill Lyon. I mean, oh. I, you know, I don't want to forget the great Bill Lyon and, and just terrific people. And, um, they all left and you know, there were, I don't want to say there aren't good people there now and they haven't been over the years because there are, mm-hmm. but there's just not the resources um, and the readership to, to make it what it used to be. Yeah. It was tougher then. it was tougher on the teams. It was more critical of the teams, which was kind of your original point. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it was the competition within the business, you know? Well, the Inquirer um, and Daily News had a, really fierce and you both could talk yeah, about well they that. did and and also and you wrote for a suburban paper the suburban papers were really good yes. And yes really really strong people covering those beats and doing columns you know to me jack mccaffrey's the guy who's still still carrying that weight but um and so you couldn't pander to the team because the guy at the other newspaper was going to kick your ass Mm-hmm. There's not that level of competition anymore, sadly, um, not by anything that journalists have done wrong, but just by how the business has changed, that it's it's not tough like it used to be. Do you think it's that same in the electronic media, in your in your end of it? Um, some people, yes. Some people, no. Okay. I mean, hey, I put on Angelo this morning, and he was roasting everybody. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and, you know, your colleague on Saturdays, Glenn, I remember – Back in the 80s, the stuff he would do because we would send him anywhere to do stories about nothing that even had to do with Philadelphia sports. You know, if if um, uh, Cal Ripken was getting ready to do something, you know, we'd oh. send them there. We'd send them George. I remember him going out to do a George Brett thing when George Brett was threatening 400. He, we just don't do things like that anymore. I know. He told me the other day, and this does have a Philadelphia angle, but still, when Mike Schmidt was approaching 500 home runs, the sports editor of the Daily News, I guess it was Raffet then, Mike Raffet. Had to be, yeah, sure. Okay, said, Ray, when Schmidt hits the 500th home run, we're going to do a section on it. Go go fly around the country and interview every living member of the 500. I remember run. that, yes. So he goes down and he finds Hank Aaron and he finds Mickey Mantle and he finds Willie Stargell. And it's like every Willie Mays and, he, and wherever they are, if they're in California – Ray goes to California. Yeah. And he so he goes to like ten different destinations to write this one story. Yeah. And uh listen, uh, you know, I was in the business when that was not considered ridiculous. Now it's like, well, just see if you can, you know, connect to him via email through his agent. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I mean, you know, I remember Watching guys now, I'm not obviously in the same era as you guys were, but I remember guys going to the Olympics. Oh, you're as old as us. Who <laughs> I just kidding? look it. Yeah. Uh, but you're like, a train wreck. Come but, on, but but yeah, that's true. Yes, my wife. Uh, but like, I remember, I remember guys going to Olympics. I mean, yeah, the paper sending Al three. Morgani, f- Al used to cover the America's Cup in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be that honest happen. here, okay? Yeah. I'm a huge sports fan, right? We all are. Sure. How many people think, oh, I better buy the Inquirer today to see what Al wrote about a sailing uh, a yacht race in Australia? Hey, hey, not one guy to the Olympics. It'd be two or three. Yeah. 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 And both papers. So we might have five or six people somewhere covering Olympics. 
God, we are the three guys sitting around the bar talking about the glory days. That is true. I mean, I, on the other hand, I'm the only one actually sitting around. The sitting around the bar. Used to able to, I used to be able to throw that spitball by you. <laughs> there you go. And now it's funny because I, I think back to when we went to the 16 Final Four. And how many guys did you guys send, Mike, combined? Well, the, the Inquirer, I think, had four. Let me see. Jensen, Giuliano. Silski. Silski and Ford. Right. And Girardi. So there were six of us. <sighs> Unless I'm missing somebody. I might be missing somebody. Hey, I don't, Marcus? You know. Uh, I don't think Marcus was there. I okay. think it was just me and two photographers. And two photographers. Yeah. It was hey, just let me, me ask you a question, Mike. How do you feel about the, the two papers combining? How, what's been the impact <laughs> of that? Did I just like that? Yes, you did. No, 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 no. Like, that was going to happen. Glenn, it was like you knew at a certain point what was going to happen. Yeah. It, was, it had to. I mean, yeah. the only reason the Daily News is still even there is because it still makes money. It helps them. The minute yeah. it doesn't help them, they'll get rid of it, and that's it was just weird, though, like at some point picking up a paper and seeing your story in the Inquirer also and maybe cut in half. Um, yeah. And it was nobody's fault. You know, I used to talk to the, the – when we got to know the, edit, the Inquirer editors, and then I used to talk to some of those guys all the time. And it's just the way of the world. I mean, you were saying about how good the suburban papers are, and I totally agree with you. Look at them now. I mean yeah. – and I know people that still work at them, and I feel bad for them. Yeah, but they're doing the best they can. That's all you can do. One final thing for Glenn before we let him go: the "Tell Us Your Story" thing that you guys have done since the pandemic started has been terrific. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. What what brought it about, and is this going to be a regular thing going forward beyond the pandemic? So, <laughs> what brought it about is it's March thirteenth. You're scared to death. You have nothing to talk about, right? And I'm planning weekend show. It was probably the week after because, you know, the first week or two, we just talk about what the hell. But once I realized sports isn't coming back fast and I'd been around long enough that I'd done every single, you know, give us your favorite actor in a romantic comedy. Like any, any one of those themes I've done over the years and, I'm kind of tired of doing, and I don't begrudge the people who do them because I listen, okay? But, I, you know, I've done all of that stuff, and I really didn't want to be reaching for topics. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I know with Ray, you can't, you can't do bullshit with Ray because it's just not going to work with him. Mm-hmm, so I'm right. thinking, all right, well, what, what, what can we do that will be different and original and interesting to our listeners. And I thought we have really compelling personalities that we have on as guests. Let's get them to tell us their story, literally their story. So I think the first week I did it with Merrill, right? Cause I've known mm-hmm. Merrill for a thousand years and Ray knows Merrill and I, and I, and I know Merrill's background. I said, Merrill, just, we're going to have you on. For two, we started doing it for two segments. It was about a half an hour. And, you know, how did you grow up? Tell us about going to school. How do you get into the business, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, it was good. It was Merrill. Merrill can tell a story. Um, I think we might have done Mark Zumoff second. We kind of started with broadcasting. Yeah, Fransky was in there. Fransky was in there because we knew they knew how to talk, right? right? They, right. These guys are comfortable talking. And then I got a lot of positive feedback, and I said, we're going to do it every show. And there's certainly no shortage of fascinating people we can have. Um, we've literally 
had people come to us to, to volunteer uh, now, which is, a, as you know, yeah, a rare, rare thing. And it's been a big hit, and we extended it from 30 minutes to basically we do the whole hour, uh, 12 to noon, uh, excuse me, noon to one with it. Um, so now that sports is back, we're doing it once a week. Uh, okay. We were doing it every day and uh, every show, and now we're going to do it once a week, probably on Saturday for now. Well, if we get football back, certainly on Saturday. But we, we're going to try to keep it going, moving going forward. It, the one with Harold Carmichael, I, I got to listen to a lot of that. That was really, really good. I learned a lot from that. But, Glenn, I got to pass something on before we let you go. I probably said this the last time you are on, but we did a couple shows together when I was first starting out. Yeah. You gave me the best piece of advice, and I don't always follow it, but you do. You said, Mike, if I'm doing a four-hour show, I put in at least four hours of preparation, and I will tell you, it shows. And it still shows. So don't change what you do because it works. Um, that's very nice of you to say. That is true. That is what I said. And that is still what I do. Fortunately, now I only do three hour shows. So I only have to do three, <laughs> three hours, hours of prep. prep. Uh, but listen, I know that I am a really lucky man who gets to make my living talking about sports to Philadelphia sports fans. They pay me to do that. So. To slack on that would be ridiculous. Um, as my wife said to me recently when I was complaining about something, she said, your job is to talk about sports and to drink beer. This is your <laughs> career. Don't ever complain. So I will never complain. No. He does tell Joe Sixpack I said hi. I will. He, he, He's a good card player, by the way. He tells me. Yeah, he does tell people, no, yes. Nobody talks sports better or drinks beer better than Glenn Mack now. Glenn, That's thank a good you. For, th- yeah, exactly. You could do a lot worse in life. That's for sure. Yeah. Glenn, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Be thank well. You Stay good, Anytime. man. Stay good. My best to you and your family. Stay well. Absolutely. And we'll be back on Working the Beat right after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Working to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Working to Be podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workinthebeat at gmail.com to join the Working the Beat podcast family. Our thanks to Glenn Mack now for joining us. Always entertaining when we talk to Glenn, isn't it there, Michael? Yeah, I, like I said, when I first started doing IP back, you know, I did it for a couple years. I did a lot of it. Um, I did a couple shows with Steve Fredericks. And then I did a couple with Glenn and that was kind of like they were, you know, they put me on with them to kind of, you know, get, get me to get a feel for it. And I remember Glenn telling me that, you know, because a lot of times when I would do it, with Rob Cherry or whatever, you know, we show up like 10, 15 minutes before and just talk like you and I kind of do. Right. But Glenn said, I put, if I'm doing a four hour show, I put four hours of work and I, that impressed me because I think it's hard to put in four hours of prep, you know, um, we might say we do or we will, oh, but sure. it's hard because it's a discipline. It's a, it's a, you know, and most of us aren't disciplined. 
And, and that's the one thing. It's when you have to do this for longer periods of time, and especially if you're throwing in the wild card of phone callers, you better mm-hmm. know what you're talking about. And Glenn and Ray both have yes. it's institutional knowledge and obviously uh, keeping up on everything. But I think it goes beyond the knowledge, Kevin, in that, like I said, I mean, me and you can sit here and talk for three, four hours. Yeah, we're fine. But sometimes the, the way that Ray and and and, um, and Glenn, Glenn have to do the show, there's just, I think, more preparedness that has to go into it. You, you have to kind of, okay, we're doing this in the field. You know, we have this guest coming on or we have that or we're mm-hmm. doing this. And, and they, I think they pull it off, like you said. I mean, I to me, and I like a lot – look, I like a lot of people who are on the air. I, there, there's a lot of people I could name here that, that right. I enjoy listening to. But they're the, I think that's the best listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of I, I mean, Jody Mack would be up there for me. Um, a couple of Ricky Ricardo, um, who, I'm by the way, our, our buddy Ricky Ricardo has been filling in for John Sterling, who's been out sick. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. uh, he's been I, doing I the there. he's been doing the English broadcast of the Yankees. Okay, okay. I mean, yeah, Robbie Ellis. Yep. Um, you know, Mikey Miss Gargano. I mean, you know, there, there are. There are people I like, and I'm, I, like I said, I'm going to leave people out, and that's why I shouldn't do this. But to me, on Saturday mornings, or well, morning into the afternoon, when I'm driving around, I'm on WIP. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, there it goes. I'm listening to them, especially during football season, but even all year round, it's fine. Yeah. Um, because I love Ray. I mean, I work with Ray, and and, and I think him and Glenn work really well together. Um. All right, so where should we take this? Uh, you know, we talked about the Sixers at the beginning of the interview with Glenn. Um, uh, you know, I know it's only two games, and I know in theory it could change, but there's nothing in their DNA right now that tells you it's going to change, is there? But it's two games. But but you, you said it yourself, Kevin. You do this. It's, it's okay. I understand what you're saying. I, You know, they look like the team that was the succeed. <laughs> you know, but it's two games. Mm-hmm. And it really, to be honest with you, it doesn't matter what they do the next six games unless they play like that in a playoff series. Now, if they play like that in a playoff series and get bounced, or even if they win a series and get bounced in the second, second one, round. we're all going to sit here and go, you know, okay, we saw this coming. But I've covered sports too long to sit. I don't like what I'm seeing. I'm with you. I, but I never liked the Ben Simmons of the four. I, I just – I don't like that. Whatever you think of Ben Simmons, he's been a point guard since he was like seven years old. And he since was so hell-bent on being a point guard. He was so hell-bent on being that role. And if you take the fact that he won't shoot out of the equation, which is hard to do, but if you take it out of the equation, what more could you ask for in a point guard? All right, he but- defends – he distributes very well. When he gets out in the open court, he's as fast as anybody getting up and down the court. Um, he can finish at the basket, but he doesn't shoot. So I don't know why Brett did this. I I, I, I don't know, Kevin. I can't. All I know is the problem with me with this whole team. And look, they could go on a run. I, who, who knows? I mean, it's, it's the NBA in a bubble. But this team was set up to be something that, it, that it's not. And that goes back to that the coach wants to play a certain way. And I'm not condemning him for wanting to play that way. But then if you're going to play that way, you have to have a team that can play that way. And I think what we saw two years ago when they got the two guys at the trade deadline, they looked like the kind of team Brett wanted to coach. 
Um, and it didn't work out. Boston beat them because Boston was just Boston could hurt them at the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year they came within, you know, a four bounce shot of maybe getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. I I can't knock them for that, you know. Um, and now they don't have Jimmy anymore. They have Al Horford, and they don't have JJ. And um, but hey, they won on a three point shot by Shake Milton. Well, and, and you know, you mentioned about Jimmy and JJ. I was watching our our buddy Stephen A. Um, this morning, and he talked about the fact that you know if Jimmy Butler's on this team, you don't see that type of a, a defensive effort that you've seen the last two two games in the fourth quarter. You just don't. You, you know, you, you you mean because of the leadership? The yeah, the, because he would have gotten in somebody's face and kicked their ass. But isn't that Embiid and Simmons role? I mean, they've been in the league five five years now. Four years, four uh, five years, and four years, right? Right. Shouldn't they're not rookies anymore? They're not first, second year players. I mean, they're they're all stars. They're 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 the face of the franchise. I mean, and and maybe that's you know what, Kevin? Maybe that's why Jimmy didn't want to be here. Maybe. I don't know this. I'm not in that locker room, but something was. And I'm not saying Jimmy was perfect either. But no, I'm no, just, no, 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 no. You're right. You're absolutely right. But they are um, missing a guy. Al Horford maybe was supposed to be that guy when they brought him in, a, a veteran yeah. who could who could stand up. Guess what? You can't be that if you're off the bench. You just can't well, in that lap yeah. in that sport. And you know we may find this out, and it's going to be a harsh lesson. But we've had these lessons before. Maybe they got the guy two years too of, late. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know this. I, I mean, I, I don't sure know looking this. like it. Well, yeah. I mean, and I'll be honest with you. Tobias is what I thought Tobias was going to be. He, he's a, a good player, maybe even a very good player who, but the, the thing that Jimmy gave you and JJ gave you at the end of the games, Jimmy, he, he would want the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. that was one of the problems, right? That Ben didn't have the ben ball. Ben didn't have the ball. Um, and JJ would shoot from anywhere. You know, he wasn't afraid to take the shot. But what we were led to believe was that Jimmy didn't want to be here. Uh-huh. That it was more hit. Now, I don't know this. I, 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 you know, I don't know. Maybe, there was also rumors out there. You know, that Ben didn't want him here, which I don't know if they're true or not. I know Embiid and Jimmy seemingly were pretty close. Um, and they, I mean, they couldn't assign both of them, right? No. Okay, so you know. They made their decision, and um, you know, well, like you well, said. Well, but here's the be- thing: if if you re-sign Jimmy, you probably are bringing at that point Reddick back. Okay, and you're better as an outside shooting team. Okay, and you're better defensively. But then, would people have knocked him for trading for Tobias and and then letting him go? I I I, I don't know. Like I I don't I don't. And and, I, and that's no fault of Tobias Harris. And by no, the way, no, no, no. for for no. the record, without Horford in the game last night. They were a plus 17. Without him? No, with him in the lineup. Yeah. They were a plus I mean, 17. He was one guy I'm last saying. night who had a better game than the night before. Him and Milton, both yeah. of them. This has to play itself out. And But if you're a team, let's say they lose in the first series mm-hmm. or, or the second series. Let's say they don't get out of the second sure. series. And now you're a team with Horford and Tobias, two contracts you probably can't move. Albatrosses. And I'm not saying you want to. I'm not saying you want to move Tobias. I don't consider him an albatross because he's a he's a, he's almost no, an all. But the contracts are albatrosses. Well, sure, but I mean, if the guy produces, if a guy produces, then the contract is what it is. Um, you know, you could be paying Bryce Harper the sun and the moon and the stars, but if he's the MVP of the league, 
you know, I can't sit there and go, boy, that's a bad contract. Um, you, you know, uh, but if you want to switch play, and that's why I know you always keep bringing up, are they going to trade one or their two? I don't, if you're, if you have a new coach next year, okay. Oh, you're going to let it go. Goes, you're going to let it go for another. I think year. you have yeah. to let the new coach at least get a year or so with them to see what he can do with them. Unless the new coach comes up to you and says, I don't think those two work. But, (laughs) but Mike, I think it's fair to wonder, okay, you get the one coaching change. You get one coaching change with this unit. And then you you have to change the unit. It's not just the coach. You would have to change the unit. Right. But, but like, look, let's say Brett's gone. Let's say for sake of argument, they lose in the second round. Which is probably 80 to 90% likely. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. But so a new guy comes in. And next year you go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I don't, you know, and because I don't know what the Bucks are going to look like at some point. You know, if Giannis is going to be around, and maybe the year after that, you go back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Or, yeah, but you don't get to the finals or you don't win the championship. But you're you're like one of the final four teams. Or I th- I still think it's hard to break it up if those two guys are two of the best ten or so players in the league, which they might be, because you're never going to get back. Whatever you trade one of them. Now, Embiid might take himself out of the situation where his injuries might take him. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I I don't I think they're still so young in their careers that you have to kind of let it you might regret it if you if you broke it up. Um But you, know, you may be in quicksand if you don't. Well, that's but there's a lot of teams that are like that. Right. That's that's kind of what you gotta figure out. And the NBA has you, always been like that. But you didn't about, do all this to be a five seed every year. You didn't. No, but there was no guarantee when the process started that it meant championships. At the time, they no. were like a 10-win team. No, but it So to me, the process was about getting to a certain point, and I said this to you a couple times, it, 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 the easiest part of the process is getting from 10 wins to 55. Right. You can do that. The tough part is getting from 55 to the promised land. That's the hard part. And maybe this the way that they've set this team up is not equipped to do that. But I still think it's too early in the equation. Has this year been a disappointment? Absolutely, but it's not over yet. And because of a four-month layoff, we're always going to judge it differently maybe than we would have if they just played it out and then they'd lost in the second round or the first round or whatever. Um, and I don't think when this team was the sixth seed – if the pandemic hadn't occurred, I didn't see this team doing a lot. That was me. Uh, I know people said they didn't have their, their lineup a lot, and, you know, when they all got their lineup back, I, I, I didn't buy into that. Um, but now they got a fresh start, and they don't look like so far they've made very much of it. Um, and I worry about the coach, Kevin. I mean, it just seems like they don't do what they were set up to do. So either the GM and the coach weren't on the same page, or the coach – and the players aren't on the same page, and I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. Um, there was a story I want to I want to bring to your attention. By the way, I, I mentioned this earlier. Our thoughts to everybody affected today by uh, the tropical storm that uh, ran through the area. I'm not sure, Mike, if you saw the pictures of uh, your old stomping ground at CB West uh, War Memorial Field. Had their ble- I did not. Had their bleachers completely overturned onto the field through straight-line winds. Uh, wow. 
some serious. Whatever tornado warnings, Kevin, up like in Berks County or, or like we have one this upper morning. Bucks County, you did, yeah. Because yeah. there was a rumor down the shore that there was a couple down the shore. I, my friend lives down the shore now, just outside of North Wildwood. He was without power the last time I spoke with him. That was so he's been out of power for about six hours. O- Ocean City had fifteen thousand people with no power. Atlantic County had like seventy-two thousand. Ben Salem, Ben Salem has a huge swath because my buddy Mike lives over that way, and he has no power. And they've been—he's been told it's probably not until tomorrow at the earliest that they're going to get. It, to it is amazing to me, Kevin, that where we live. I've said, and I know it's going to come back to bite me in the ass, but I'm sixty-two years old, so what the hell? Nothing much really, really bad happens in Northeast Philly. You know, we get snow, we'll get a bad rain. You know, we may get, we can trees, get trees down. down. Yeah. But, but not, none of this, not the things you see in other places that are right near us. Oh, judge. You know, they're not that far. Judge had that problem a couple of years ago where they had their football stands knocked down uh, through yeah. a tornado. Uh, I know my sister-in-law lives in South Jersey and, it always seems like she's losing power when one of these things comes blowing through because, yeah, I mean, where I live, I guess where you live too, right? The, the lines are underground. Yeah. So that helps. So we can't get them blown over. Now we can get water seep into the ground and screw you up. But um, if a power line goes over, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, you know, I wanted to bring this story to your attention. Uh, we've talked a lot about college football and what's going to happen. And the SEC's pushed their, has gone all conference and they've pushed theirs back to the end of September and big 12 is going to push the end of September and all that. But this is an alarming story. This is out of Colorado state, Mike. Um, the athletes have complained about the football coaches at Colorado state. And I, for the life of me don't have uh, the name and I'll click on the link later. Coaches have told players not to report COVID-19 symptoms, threaten players with reduced playing time. If they quarantine, Claim CSU is altering contract tracing reports to keep players practicing at this point. Is I'm going to ask a really dumb question. I think I'm wrong, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is that where Steve Adazio is? Uh, I am looking to see. It is Steve Adazio. Yep. Well, okay. You just answered your question. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't know. Look, and, I'm you know, if I had known that, I would have set you up on a tee even more. No, as soon as you said Colorado State, and, I'm, and then you start saying what you were saying. So if you're asking me, does that surprise me? And I don't know the facts. So I'm just going by what you told me. That would not surprise me because it, it, it's, it's like the president telling <laughs> me that if we do less tests, we'll have less problems. Actions How by- can you say that? See, people want to know why student athletes – are rebelling right. like the Pac-12 guys, and this is why they're rebelling because the Washington State coach told the uh, his his wide receiver was it or, or one of his better players that if he joined the protest um, and sat out for Black Lives Matter, it it could come back to bite, to haunt him. Mm-hmm. What is that? Well, and Gary Patterson had an incident where a uh, uh, he used apparently a racial slur in a team meeting. But wasn't he trying to? He was trying say, to say it. Don't in a, say that, right? Okay. But it's still. Yeah, I know. But but this is totally different, Kevin. See, I've always felt, and I'm sure you feel, coaches have way too much power. But that's just it. I mean, you're the coach. It's your program. You're giving out the scholarships. Your job's on the line. I think we may see, with all this, these stuff that's going on recently, and we'll probably continue going. 
that may be getting knocked into. Because if, if this story is true, what you're saying, and I'm not saying it is, but if it's true, Steve Adazio should get fired. Players and athletic staff believe they, the pause should have happened a week earlier. They apparently had a pause last week. Uh, right. Because they had a spike. I'm trying to see. Uh, no positive. That number spiked to 16 as of Sunday. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were pretty much shut down. Uh, players and, and athletics have said they believe the pause should have happened a week earlier, but the coach Steve Adazio was adamant to get practices in. Players said trainers stress adhering to safety guidelines during training, but compliance is difficult. They said they're supposed to wear face coverings during conditioning and practicing drills, but the mask made it harder to breathe, so many take them down. Players and staff said it makes the spread of disease inevitable. Uh, players, okay. Hold on. Let me... Let me Players and staff at Adazio, 61, and defensive coordinator Chuck Heater, 67, rarely wear He was at Temple. He was at Temple also, I believe. Yeah, they said it is dangerous for themselves because of their age, and they're setting a bad example for the team. Parker disputes that claim. Parker is the athletic director at Colorado State. Well, here's what I would say. If you're the athletic director and or the president, and maybe this applies more to the president, I don't know. You got to do something, or this is an, this is an embarrassment to your universe if this is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it seems from what you're reading is it seems like there's truth to this. How can you not discipline the coach? Well, how can the parents of the players not demand that something be done? This came out three forty three Mountain Time, so about six o'clock Eastern Time. Um, yeah. So it will be interesting to see the ramifications of that. But that, you know, I didn't realize it was Steve Adazio. But, I mean, that that just, it does kind of fall in line now that you think about it because Steve was all about, Steve was old-time tough football guy, wasn't he? Uh, Steve was a bully. Yeah. Is what Steve was. And from what I could gather, a, a great line coach, I, I mean, he was a great, he was a very, very successful high school coach in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Connecticut. Um, where they ran like a triple option or something back in there. But Steve Adazio was one of the guys who would play the part of the bully. Like, I'm going to beat you up. You know, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to take you out behind the shed and, uh, you know, beat you up or whatever. I mean, I heard that from from a lot of people. Uh, and I didn't get close enough to him. I tried not to because, and I'm like I said, I'm, I'm only going by what this story says, so I'm not right. going – but as soon as you said Colorado State, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, wait a minute. So when you said that, and then, you know, and it's his first year there because he just got the job. Job after BC. Yeah. All I know is if I was a parent of one of those players, um, or if I was one of the players, man, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I how do you justify that if it's true? No, you can't. You absolutely can't. And of course, but this is, uh, you know, let's be honest. There's probably more out there that we haven't heard oh, about. I, yeah. Uh, what, what did they say he did, Kevin? What, what was it again? He, he he told them not to tell about positive tests. The the report was that they were told not to discuss positive tests, that they were, um, th- th- they were, hold on here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to. So in it. other words, if they had five positive tests, Coaches have told players not to report symptoms, threaten players with reduced playing time if they quarantine, and claim CSU is altering contact tracing reports to keep players practicing. That's fireable. It is. That's fireable. Not only is it fireable, that's criminal. Yeah. 
if, if you have a kid who's displaying symptoms or, or an assistant coach or whomever, and you tell them no, don't quarantine, don't take yourself out of that's that's criminal. That's crim, that's criminally negligent. But that's me. I mean, I you know. I, um, which leads me to another question before we go. Uh, and it's something that came up uh, that obviously comes up here as we hit beginning of August. High school football season would have naturally begun uh, practicing in about a week. Okay. And in Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania. Okay. New Jersey has already pushed theirs back to the end of September. They're buying more time. Pennsylvania right now is still leaving it as a district-to-district decision. Um, and the the it has become a little bit of a, a political hot potato. Uh, Tom Wolf said this week that schools that do not open for classes, in other words, are going to do it virtually, should not have sports. But the PIAA refuses to postpone the season or to set a mandate like that. They're leaving it to individual districts. And I think this is where you're going to have some serious problems because I think in some districts they're going to try to play on and there's some districts that are just going to, uh, you know, they're going to do what I think is the right thing, which is the post push back. And the PIAA, and you know how Mechanicsburg works from your years and when you covered high schools, the PIAA is just trying to get to wash its hands of it so it doesn't get any of the the, the bitching and the moaning later. Um, I mean, what? how would you feel right now as uh, if you had a high school athlete? Well, it reminds me of how this whole country is going through this. Like, if you leave it up to eat the states to fight the battles, now I, I guarantee you, Montana is not Florida. So if you set a rule down and it applies to Florida or Texas or whatever, maybe it doesn't apply to South Dakota. I, I, you know, so when you're dealing with counties in Pennsylvania, but now Dr. Burks came out yesterday and said, now the problem is getting to be rural. Right. Just, you know, how. but my feeling always has been when it comes to colleges, high schools, anything where school is involved. Yep. If you do not have students on campus in class. Every day. Every day. Every day. You can't have, well. I'll, I'll, go, I'll say this, Kevin. May, may, maybe I'll let it go a little. If you were saying to us, to us, you're in school two or three days a week. Okay, let, let's just say that. Half and half. And you said, we're going to try to play football. I could almost agree to that. Because at least you are in school at right. least half of the time. The problem is, and I don't think people understand this, I, you know, We've been around football. We've been around locker rooms. We've been around, you know, and I'm assuming this means no fans. If they're yeah, going to play. No, that, that's the other thing that the state has okay. said, no fans. That's the one but thing. How do you, your CB West, we'll just throw CB West out there as, as a name. Or North Penn or whatever. North Penn. Right. Or any name you want in the Shammy. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You have to have meetings with your players. Okay. That, that goes on daily. How do you do that? Yeah. You're in a locker room together. How do you do that? You're weightlifting together. And now you you could, you know, you could have some kids go in sometime, but are you going to wash down all the equipment between each use of it? Then you're playing football. You're yeah. practicing. You're playing football. You're getting on a bus to go to a game. Please explain to me how you do all you those things. You can't. Exactly, which is why schools can't go back. It's the same reason. They can say 150 times over, Kids need to be back in school. Of course, kids need to be back in school. No doubt. And, but until and, and, you can do it, 
Go ahead. No, and the one thing that I wish they would adopt, and I'll say this, Maryland has come up with a great idea. Um, Maryland is doing it where no fall football. Right. Nobody playing basketball or any sport in the first um, semester. Right. So basically until Christmas. Okay. All right. After Christmas, you have basketball and the winter sports. The traditional winter sports are January, February. Okay. No state tournament, just January, February winter sports season. If if the situation is different. If the situation right? is different. Okay. March, April, an abbreviated football season. No state playoffs, no nothing, just an ability to see See, Kevin, that makes too much common sense. And then see, May and June would be uh, the spring sports. Right. But what you just said makes too much sense. And see, some people can't live with that. Like some people be there, oh, my God, we're not going to have state playoffs. Oh, my God. No. It, it, you make the whole, this whole thing with the coronavirus, it's like Glenn said, baseball's not perfect right now, but it's all we got. Right. So you do the best you can with it. Football might not be perfect, but, you, you know. So if high school sports can't be perfect and you can only play two months instead of four, okay, at least the, the poor kids are going to get to play, you know, six games or something. And especially the seniors, you know, they'll get something out of their senior year. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that makes more sense to me than sitting here on August 1st and pushing it back three weeks to see if anything changes with the pandemic. And it allows, what the hell is going to change with the pandemic? And it allows four months between football season 2020, 2021, and then 21-22. There's enough of a rehab time that people can... Can you see. imagine, Kevin, let's just say for sake of argument, with colleges, I'm, I'm not even going with the NFL, colleges, high schools, whatever. The more you keep pushing it back and pushing it back, the more frustrated people get. Yeah. Because now, if I'm a, I mean, the only conference that hasn't come out and said anything is the Big Ten, right? Because, yeah. and you think the Big Ten might not play. I, I think the Big Ten won't play. Okay. And the Pac 12, we're, we're kind of not sure about because of what the players are doing. But, right. Um, but the SEC, you know, they got, okay. So people are sitting there saying, okay, on September the 20th, Paul Feinbaum actually said this the other day on the TV. You got like five your five major conferences are starting like five different weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but so let's say I'm a fan of Clemson and I'm all excited because on September the 20th, we're playing somebody. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're not in any better shape. And on September 6th or September 10th, the ACC has to come out and say, wait a minute, you know what? Nah, we're going to push it back to mid October. Well, you know, then fans are going to be like, really? Yeah. yeah, you know, it, it, it's like it's like the whole notion of shutting the country back down. Nobody wants to shut the country back down, but like you know, when they let fifty percent of the people into the restaurants, and then you start having more outbreaks, you got to shut and it you back have to down. Say, okay, we got to go back to twenty-five. It, that that's like a kick to the stomach because you feel like you took a step backward, and and, and nobody wants to do that. But the the thing you just said about Merlin, honest to God. Um, but, you know, I mean, we've been around the PIAA forever. I'm yeah. never confident that they're going to get it right. Um, and I guess what you're saying is Jersey's kind of playing the same game, right? They're, they're kind of yeah playing a wait-and-see kind of game. Yeah, and our buddy Mike McGarry uh, and I have talked about it. He He's kind of of the belief that they're going to they're gonna take it to the last minute they can before they decide to pull the plug. And, and that might be the right way to do it. I'm not saying it's not, but to me it leaves everybody on the edge. And if you tell a, a, a poor kid – Maybe he's a senior, you know, and and 
You tell him a week before he thought he was going to play that he's not going to play because, let's face it, if, if your first game is going to be September the 25th, mm-hmm. you better be practicing by, like, around September the 10th. You know, you have to get at least a couple weeks of practice, I would think, in. You would think. You're going, to be yourself at, you're going to be putting yourself at a physical risk. Yeah. Let alone a viral risk or, or you know, uh, it's, it's just – to me, the spring football, even in an abbreviated form, just makes too much sense. And I know it means there's a lot of sports that are going to be going on, and we might not even be out of it by then. But you got to think by then we'll have a, we should at least see see something at the end of the rainbow. You're hoping, um, and you can play football in in March and April and May. Why not? I always you know? believe I always believe that was like the most underrated season for them to play football. Um, you know, look, it, the fact that we haven't had a spring league in this country that has taken hold is surprising to me. Uh, yeah. But, um, which well, I guess that's always the way it's been. You know, you, you play football and, and it gets into the cold weather. And it's like, oh, it's football weather. <laughs> which which leads to the final story. Uh, the XFL, Mike, is back. Yeah. It got bought. Yeah. Comma. What's the next sentence? By Dwayne the Rock, the Rock Johnson, yeah. Hey, good for him. You know, good good for him if he's going to provide opportunities to people and 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 if it means something. And if it, but I don't care about the XFL. Uh, I, I don't. you will not you will still not watch. Why would I watch? Please tell me. Give I me don't. give me give me reasons. It's a Saturday. You're bored and you're flipping around. No, 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 no. See, see that, that that's what's wrong with us as a society. <laughs> if you put Naked and Afraid on, on Discovery Channel and there's nothing else on, well, I'll watch. No, 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 Kevin, I don't watch minor league crap. Okay. Okay? That's Why? Can I ask you a question? Seriously. Why is ESPN still showing Korea League Baseball? There's no reason to. Because we I think it's actually back. had a, com- uh, like a cult following that's been built up. Well, you know what? Good for them. Be the cult following. Follow the XFL. Follow all those leagues. Um, and look, when the Philadelphia Bell played or whatever those couple of leagues the were, stars. I did follow them. Yeah, Jim Moore, the one Jim Moore won a couple of championships. The stars. Because that was real football. They had real players who just didn't go to the NFL. They had stars playing in that league. Yeah. Um, this league is like a minor league training ground. It's like AAA. I, AAA. I see AAA football every Saturday during the college football season, and I would much rather watch Alabama play than than the uh, than the uh, you know Tallahassee Soul. Or I I will I say one thing. The one good part is I do like occasionally seeing the new rules that they try and see if it can project to the NFL. I don't care. Okay. Yeah. When 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 a former te- and I'm not trying to disparage um, PJ um, Walker, former Temple quarterback. When he goes into that league and is like the star of the league for three weeks, I'm sorry. I, 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 and I understand you're going to have stories like Kurt Warner that are going to come out. You know, there's always going to be that story. Um, you know, some guy who's checking groceries, gets his chance, ding, 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 ding. But no, I, I'm not following the games. And I, I will guarantee you, Kevin, 90% of the people who do watch are watching because they have a bet on the game. Exactly. And, and that's what our society's that's become. That's what it's too. become. It's like if you can bet on it, put it on, um, which is fine. I'm not a big gambler, so even though I did have my third winner in five weeks, in Better's Insider Golf last week, but that's okay. 
but I don't bet real money on it. I, I just give advice and hey, here's what I think. But I mean, to, really, I, I, you know, if, if we're that hard up for programming, man, hey, I want to ask you a programming question. Sure. So, somebody brought this up, and, and I don't know what the right answer is. We see these hockey and basketball now where they're playing like all day, right? Because they're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's a good thing. You know, you can sit there and watch. It's like March Madness. Sure. Why wouldn't baseball, which is on so many channels you can't find anyway. You're trying to find, you're trying to give logic to Major League Baseball and there's none to be but had. What if you were Manfred, and I understand he's, he, I, I, I understand what you think of him and what most people think. Oh, I get it. Wouldn't you have said, hey, guys, we have 12 games a day or 15 games a day, whatever they have. If, mm-hmm. the, if the Marlins aren't and the Cardinals aren't playing. Sure. Um. Let's put a game on at noon. Let's put a game on at three. Now, I understand in some places with the heat, you can't do that in August. I, I'm well aware. But, but maybe more people would, you know, somebody sitting working from home, you know, but, he's got nothing better to do. He's not a hockey fan, maybe. But, hey, baseball's on. Maybe a kid, kid's home. He's not in school. He's not doing anything. Hey, there's a baseball game. You're not worried about selling tickets. I mean, it's, you know, you're still going to have zero and zero. I mean, depending wherever it is. Look, so you I, tell me. What I mean is, are, are they are they contractually obligated to to do what they're doing, Look, or could I, they have done that? I'm sure there are some of the regional sports networks who probably would like the games in prime time when they can have the biggest audience. Okay, um, okay, fair enough. I, that, I mean, but that shouldn't drive the whole sport. Uh, okay, there should be provisions for one day game every day. Uh, I agree so if Comcast, you. if Comcast or Universal, yeah, NBC, whatever, I call it Comcast. Yeah, if they had a Phillies game at two o'clock, let's say on a, on a Thursday, their ratings won't be nearly as good as if the game's at it's Thursday seven. at seven. Yeah, okay, okay, but, but but we're we're looking at ways for baseball to try to get fans right, like try to get new fans. Like you said, with one game a day, one game a day won't kill them. And it would make travel. Now, the only thing, the other part that somebody has brought up to me. Right. Well, no, 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 no. Actually, one part that somebody's brought up to me is because they do now such thorough cleanings after, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe the ballpark couldn't be ready in time. I Um, hear you. I don't. You know what's funny, though? Oh, they don't use the same locker rooms down in, in that Disney thing, right? They're they're They all got separate locker rooms, I'm assuming. I think there's four per per building. Well, then somebody's cleaning those between games. The NHL has four in Toronto and six in Edmonton, and they are literally like, like one team moves out and they clean it. Like the the one o'clock game moves out, the four o'clock game goes into the other two locker rooms, and then the seven o'clock game is they prep for the seven o'clock game. Yeah. They so so baseball couldn't handle baseball couldn't handle. I don't understand what the problem with the locker room is. I think that the way that the NBA and the NHL have set up their bubbles is as close to perfect as you can get. But I'm saying, if the Phillies play the Yankees tonight, let's mm-hmm. say for, let's say let's say they were playing, right. you know, in, in, and, and then they're going to play tomorrow in the same stadium, you're telling me by the time the players clean out of the locker at 11 or 12 o'clock tonight until 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon is going to make a difference in cleaning that place as opposed to 7 o'clock again tomorrow night? I don't think so. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm just saying. Mike, I, I agree with you. I, yeah. But this is this is the way this sport operates now. It really is. Do you is. think people would watch it? Do you think people would watch it 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Let me put it this way. I know what my plans are the rest of the week. 
And my plans the rest of the week are at noon, I'll be doing my schoolwork. I'll be doing everything to get ready to go back to, to, to uh, you know, Ben Salem. Right. But on the television will be an NHL game. Right. Followed by an NBA game. Followed right. by an NHL game. And the Flyers mm-hmm. and the Sixers are playing 4 o'clock the next two days. Right. This is awesome. Like, if you're, you know, we talked about this actually as the pandemic was going on. That at a certain point when it came back, it would come back in in, in, in mass. Yeah. And, like, watching playoff hockey has been great. Playoff, It's not playoff mm-hmm. basketball yet, but it's been yeah. entertaining. And I get it that baseball isn't in playoffs yet. So I, I understand there is a difference. Um, but it just seems to me that if you're going to have 15 major league games on weeknights, oh, yeah, let's right. say, that, and they're all being played at the same time, basically the only people watching are the local people. That if you had a quote-unquote national game at 3 o'clock every day, and, hey, you know, I mean, I, I know not every game is going to feature the Yankees or, you know, even, or the Dodgers, right. but it might give people a chance to see Bryce Harper or see um, – um, who's the real good player in Milwaukee? Uh, Christian Yelich. Yelich right? Yeah, I mean, guys like that that maybe don't get, you, you know, I, maybe I'm totally off base. Mike I'm, I, Mike, I'm watching right now. As I'm recording this, I have the uh, extra innings, like, mixed screen on. Okay, right. so I have seven games on. Okay? And I'll be honest, it, what baseball is, is, is background music at this point. Uh, and... Uh, that's a problem for the sport. and yeah. But at 2 o'clock, it would be great. How many people, if they're doing work at home, which most people are still doing. That's right. Would love the background music of a baseball game on. And, Kevin, that wasn't my idea. I heard somebody no. say that on the radio. Um, today, I guess, I was driving around. And I- it just struck me as like, you know who I think it was? I think it was um, uh, Shatunas on, on, uh, on Anthony's show. I think he had said something like that. It's just like, you know, like, honestly, the Orioles and the Marlins are playing right now. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it's the one that's highlighted for me because I wanted to see Miami tonight with them coming back. But that game was supposed to start at 7. It got delayed to 8.30 because the test results couldn't had not come back from the Marlins. Like, yep. It feels like a Mickey Mouse operation right now. The whole sport. Well, look, I don't know how much I can fault them for the speed of tests. I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know where that lies. You knew this was going to happen. It's going to happen in football. It, it is. It's just, it, you, know, you know, some guy could test positive on a Thursday and you're going to be sitting there wondering, is he playing Sunday? Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's well, just, and the problem you know, is, and the problem is, like Matt Stafford was put on the list, but Matt Stafford also had uh, 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 what they called the uh, false positive, false, false positive, and his wife yeah, unloaded. That's what happened too, and, yeah, and his I mean, wife unloaded on the NFL on Twitter today. Well, just, but again, false positives are going to happen, you know. And we can sit there, you know. Sometimes when there's false positives, and the president will go nuts and say, "Well, you can't believe all these numbers." There's going to be false positives. It's not the end of the world no. if somebody tells you, oh, by the way, we messed up, but you're safe. You know, if it was the other way where you got a false negative, you know, it's not a perfect system. No. It's, it, it's just not going to be. So I'll leave it at this. Okay. Joe Girardi had a comment the other day on one of his Zoom calls, 
and I wish I had recorded it. He said, I'd rather have a false po- a bunch of false positives, because the Phillies' two positives sure. were false positives. Sure. I'd rather have a bunch of false positives than a bunch of false negatives. Well, I'll leave you with this thought. It is what it is. <laughs> All right, so Thursday we'll have a show. I don't know who the guest will be right now. I think it may be Mr. Bream. We're going to try again, uh, and hopefully nothing earth-shattering will happen. Um, but if not, it might just be us two again. We enjoyed that last week. Um, Might have to do it early because it's supposed to be a nice day. It could be a beach day. That's fine. We can do it as early as possible. I will check with Matt uh, tomorrow, actually. And uh, yep. So, or we or we can move or we can move Matt to Friday. (laughs) Or we could. Or we could do whatever we want. That's pretty much yeah. Um, this this show just got a a false positive. (laughs) It did. Thank you, Michael. We got we got a quarantine for three weeks and and then we'll see how we're doing. All right, which leads to the next question: Are we going? Are we considering reuniting in the man cave here? Um, I would be honest with you, Kevin. I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that. Okay, but I think just given everything going the way on. it is, and especially if you're going to, if, if God forbid you're going back to school at some point, yeah, probably or, not the best. Well, no, I'm just saying is. I think the way we do it works. Yeah. So why would I put you at risk or put me at risk or put your family at risk sure. when we don't have to? Plus, and I would have at, to some clean point, it. at some point, they're going to stick a needle in my arm or your arm or both our arms, and then we'll probably get back to being whatever we were. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got to admit, the Zoom thing has been nice. The Zoom thing has been a, a really nice addition to this whole thing. See, to me, it doesn't make any difference. As long as I can hear your voice. Well, the sound quality, I think, has been better. So. Right. But I'm, as long as I can hear your voice, I'm okay. So, okay. you know, it's. Um, I know we've had a couple of issues with people breaking up on us. Yeah. Um, and I think some of that had to do with, like, you know, Dave lives out in the hinterlands. and Bob, um, Ford, Bob Ford lived in the hinterlands. Yes. Yeah, you're going to have – I mean, that's just going to happen. Yeah. You're, you're, hey, by the way. One other thing. Did you see the thing with Leslie Goodell's daughter that kind of Yes. Went, you know what? Maybe I'm going to touch national? with Leslie. Yeah, it did. It's a great we story. Should, you know, we, should, we should try to get her on, well, even if we just have her on for like 10 or 15 minutes. Absolutely. You know what? Uh, thank you for reminding me. We'll try to do that. Yeah, I didn't realize it, it had gone that. that it, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. I'll see you on, uh, I'll see you on Thursday. Or Friday. Or Friday. Or whenever. We'll figure it out. See, yeah. what, see what works for Matt. All right. Okay, babe. All right. Our th- thanks to Glenn Macnow for joining us. Thanks to you for joining us. This has been Work of the Beat.